partner partner doesn't like for me it, it's it's a um, it's a great milestone and an achievement which demonstrates that you've achieved a certain level of consistency that you know rewarded you with I mean, you earned a, a concurrent viewership, and Twitch were like, "Yeah, you're not a liability. Yeah, you're not gonna, you're not gonna disappear tomorrow." But that's it. Like, partner doesn't increase your revenue. Partner right. doesn't, you know, yep. partner doesn't put a roof over your head. Partner is just Twitch saying, "You've hit a milestone. Well done." Yeah. Uh, here's a, here's a check. Keep working. Yep. Keep working, and make Daddy Bezos some more money. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Welcome to Tardux, a podcast for content creators to come on, share their experiences, stories, and give their advice. And today, I am super excited. I have break. Welcome. Well, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thank you for doing this. I can't, uh, can't thank you enough. I'm I'm excited. As soon as you sent me a message that said, hey, do you want to talk about... I'll, I won't spoil it. Do you want to have a chat <laughs> on the podcast? I was like, do I? I'd love to. Oh, awesome. All right. So what we, we start things off with three quick questions just to get the juices flowing. So you ready? Oh, yeah. Oh, let me warm up. All it's right. a little bit warm. All right. Let's go. I'm, I'm ready. I'm All right, ready. So, favorite place you've ever traveled to? Uh, favorite place I've ever traveled will have to be Tokyo. Okay. Uh, what was What's for supper tonight or dinner? Tonight will be leftover chicken roast. Okay. And then finally, what was the last movie you saw? The last movie I saw was... Oh, don't do this to me. It was like a week ago. <laughs> I, what about te television show? Is right, that television our show enough? works. Yep. I've been really enjoying The Boys. Oh yes. It's it's brutal. It's dark. It's hilarious. A, uh, it's great it's concept. Yeah, it's so cool. It's yep. so cool. I love it. How far into it are you so far? I am three or four episodes deep into, or actually almost done with season three. Okay. Excellent. So I won't spoil it for anybody, but it's. It's gone from weird to chaos to bizarre to disgusting yeah. to, uh, I love it. I love yeah. every second of it. Yeah, the, the concept of it is like, here you are, you got your superheroes, and now there's management. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's such a great twist they did on superheroes. It's it's like corporate America and everything evil, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, personified in the uh, superhero economy. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit too real sometimes. I'm not going to lie, yeah. so. No, totally. If anybody hasn't seen that, I I recommend it. Just keep the kids away because it's pretty oh, gory. God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where you come? Where do you come from? Where, where were you born? So I, I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Nice. Not 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 a terrible place, but not a particularly exciting place either. Yeah. And then you train. You know, how did you get across the pond? What was that? You know, how did you get there? So, yeah. So the whole the whole arc of me moving. You know, because I. I was one of those people. I lived in Texas my entire life until I was about 25. Uh, after university, before university, I got the spark, and I was like, I'm so excited about motorsport. And then it was like, I like race cars. I like engineering. So I got an engineering degree, and I became obsessed with Formula One and the engineering aspects of it. You know, yeah. I, I wasn't one of those people that knew all the world champions. I was more of like watching that and saying, how does that work? That's super cool. So after I finished my engineering degree, I was like, I need to go to the UK if I want to be a Formula One engineer. And ah. so I was like, okay, so I, I moved to the UK uh, when I was 25. Yeah. 
so 12 years ago um and i was like i'm going to do my best to get a job in formula one so i found a motorsport master's degree in the united kingdom at oxford brooks university yeah a lot of americans were coming over there and getting jobs in the industry so i was like if they can do it i can do it probably yeah. maybe and if not well then I'll, I'll find something else so that happened and i uh after the one-year master's degree, I landed a job at Sahara Force India as a vehicle dynamics engineer. And so, yeah. you know, that was 11, 12 years ago, and I'm still here. Wow, that's so fantastic. So first of all, how does some kid from Texas get in interested in Formula One? You know what? Um, now, if you ask me that question today, I would tell you that's super easy. That's, that's a very easy answer. Yeah. 12 years ago, you know, or, you know, even further back right. than that, um, I don't know, man, because it's, you know, Formula One in the U.S. wasn't, you know, particularly accessible. If you had, you know, if you had a motorsport family or someone yeah. in your family loved F1, you know, you'd have ESPN or Speed Network or whatever, right. and you'd, you'd, you might catch it. But it was it was not particularly accessible. So it was just one of those things, you know, you start doing engineering, you get involved with the Formula SAE program, which yeah. is a design build race series in uh, universities. You know, everybody's talking about it and like the guy's like hey do you want to come over and watch the f1 race this weekend i'm like of course i don't i don't ever watch that and you know for for americans and people or people in north america or anywhere over there you know the times are not particularly uh sociable they're quite yep. early or very late so that was you know it's one of those things it was a bonding thing around the guys and then i was just like this is so cool and everybody else was like yeah that'd be really cool to work there. i was like well i think you can and like nah no nah, no nah, you can't i was like <laughs> All right, well, I'll see you guys in a year or two, maybe. I don't know. Maybe um, I won't come back. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so, like, I grew up in Canada where Formula One was always – it's more popular up there years ago than, than it was down here. And yeah. so I got into it early. But when we moved to the States, I ended up getting hooked into NASCAR. I had some buddies from uh, Mississippi, and it's like, oh, NASCAR. It's just left-hand turning. It's like – Yeah, but it's it's awesome, man. It is. You can't – Yeah. Don't people, people that are snobs about that and knock it, I'm like – NASCAR's NASCAR's badass. Oh. I mean, it's it's a it's a, the uh, let's say the uh, the avatar of the general consumer is maybe a little bit yeah. You know, it's a different it's a different audience completely. Let's put completely. it that way. It's yeah. mostly now it's mostly older white dudes yeah for sure. But like I I think with a little bit of love and taking some leafs out of um Formula One management's book yeah you could have a very modern attractive series in the next couple of years maybe it is but i'm it's just not on my radar at the moment it's to me it seems like it's nascar's dipped in popularity for whatever reason but i got my first race was in uh, bristol tennessee okay. back hills of you know tennessee i thought i was going to die short track isn't it oh yeah it's like super short like nobody it's like oh, a yeah. demolition derby but yeah. i tell you what it was the friendliest sporting event i've ever been to and you have you know 35 40 cars going you know it's crazy, but ended Chaos, up going to uh, Daytona, and that was a different oh, experience. You have cars inches away, three wide, inches away, and you're at the fence, and they're just zipping. It's yeah, it is a, it's impressive, no doubt, and it, yeah, it's still cool. I can I, can I, share a secret with you? Absolutely, and your, and your audience. I have never been to a NASCAR race or a Formula One race as. No way. As a spectator. Oh, my God. So I've, I've been to Petit Le Mans. Yeah. I've been to IndyCar at Texas Motor Speedway. Yeah. But I've, n I've never been to a NASCAR race. And I've, you know, despite working in Formula One for 10 years. Yeah. I've never been to the track as a fan. <laughs> oh, my God. I've that... only been at the track for work. So the U.S. Grand Prix this year will be my first event Get that out. I'm attending as a fan. That, excellent. Um, and I'm, I'm amped. I'm so amped. 
The only F1 event I've been to is Montreal, and I've been to that a couple of times. Beautiful. Oh. Such a the city's amazing. Um, food, drink, yeah. nightlife is cool. The circuit's great. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's, that's, that's up there on my list of favorite yeah. circuits to visit is Montreal. Yeah. The, the thing with F1, the whole weekend is a big party and a celebration and everything like that. That's a little bit different from what I found when I've been to like NASCAR races. But yeah, for as, sure. a, as a NASCAR fan, I had buddies who got a secure, um, gold passes. So we could, this is the thing that blew me, blew my mind with NASCAR. We had hot passes, which during the race, we're in the infield of Charlotte. As the race is going on, we're like, you know, here's pit wall. We're standing there. Cars are coming in. End of the yeah, race. Dude. End of the race. It was, um, oh, shoot. Danica Patrick just yeah. get pulled up. She hops out of her car. My buddy goes, hey, can I get a picture? Sure. It's like She goes, hell yeah, brother. It was crazy. Like, you just finished a race, and we're fans. Like, yeah, it was just the accessibility. Is, yeah. It's so different, man. And yeah. I, Formula One's doing that thing, and it's like it's always been a little bit like cut off. Mm -hmm. But actually, that with the rate that it, which is blowing up, yeah, accessibility and like acts, you know, that aspect of it, it's just going to get more and more restricted because there's there's a lot of crazies out there, oh, and, and yeah. just a, it's a sheer volume of people. So, yep, absolutely. With with the rise in popularity, and then we, you lose access to people who are already, you know, yeah. national heroes. And, <laughs> yes. and for sure, I'm, for, it's it's just a completely different ball game, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, completely. And now, you know, you talked about going to uh, the Texas race. What's your thoughts on Vegas getting added as a as a uh, a location for an F1 race? I've got a weird opinion on it. Yeah. Honestly, people gave the Miami Grand Prix this year, which was a new event, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of abuse. Yes. They said it was a boring race. And then you look back at statistically, it was actually not a boring race. The the TV presentation and the TV direction was abysmal and it hid all of the action ah, okay. and people, people are like, well, you know, they're adding all these heartless, soulless street circuits to elevate the profile. I'm like, it comes with the territory, doesn't it? Like if, if, if Vegas puts on a spectacular event and a good race yep. and it increases the profile of the sport, I think it's cool. Now, yep. if, if I had the option of adding Vegas or losing Spa Francochamps mm -hmm. as a circuit, I'd be a little bit sad to lose yeah. Spa because that is having been there six times. Uh, it's a a beautiful place in the world. The circuit has so much history and it's gone through so many changes, and it's one of the best racetracks on the calendar. Yeah, you know, except for when it gets rained out and the race is canceled. Right. But like Spa is always a banger. Yeah, Spa's Spa's fantastic. And I, I'm surprised Germany hasn't had a race in a few years either. Too. That's that's yeah, one that's missing. Yeah, Hockenheim keeps yeah. getting. I, they just can't get any money together to do it. It's expensive yeah. to get the the rights. Whereas you have company or uh, you have countries like Saudi. Yeah. You know, forking out insane amounts of cash to get on the ticket. You know. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah, Vegas money. is going to be wild. Is Vegas is going to be like the video game, like a, out of a video game at night? Through sure. This, dude, this looks. Yeah, if it goes right, it goes well. Dude, like you said, F one's going to you know get a huge explosion in the U S. Yeah, it's 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 super cool to see because I have friends and family like, hey, hey, is this what you used to do? I'm like, yeah, it is actually. It's pretty cool, right? And they're like, wow, I can't believe you did that. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. All right, so let's start video. Let's talk video games first. So where did oh, video please. games start for it. you? Honestly, um, video games. I mean, I don't. I get told I don't look it, but um, I'm 37, so I've I've been I've been around video games for a bit, and it started with a gaming PC. Uh, Doom 2, Duke Nukem, yeah. uh, Quake, 
And the, the shooter that really started for me was a game called Sin. Mm-hmm. It was a Quake 2 reskin, and it was such a cool game. And I played so much of that online, and it was kind of that. Then through through my teenage years and early 20s, it was Counter-Strike, yeah. you know, 1.6. I mean, I, I remember playing Counter-Strike beta. You know, I bought, I bought Half-Life the day yeah. it came out, you know, and that was that was a I can't wait to go back and play that game one day because that's yeah. so, you know, that's that's gaming for me is like that. And then Counter-Strike through university. Um, and then once I got into university, I'd play a little bit of the Call of Duty titles now and then and when yeah. I moved to the UK, I didn't have a console or gaming system for a very long time. Uh, and one of the battlefields came out with the Xbox One. Yeah, I played that for a little, you know, casually. And then it wasn't really until through after my Formula One career was, you know, starting to be over. I started playing. It was it was mostly in COVID. I got back into Warzone. Yeah, and you know, like the 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 modern, the current Blake arc of gaming starts yeah. at Warzone. Okay, you know, you're cooped up in your house. You've got nothing to do. You're, you know, I want to. I finally had some free time to look up gaming and content and, you know, all this stuff. So I was like, oh, my girlfriend, we started watching some uh, Fortnite streamers on Twitch. I was like, Twitch looks really cool. Fortnite looks cool. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm playing Warzone with the guys. I was like, why don't I stream Warzone? And then it, it just spiraled down there. I posted a clip of, uh, you know, started posting clips on my Instagram of yeah. Warzone. And, and and then the, the like the content creation bug was started. I had no interest in social media or content creation up until that point. And I was yeah. like, wait, this is fun because it's one of those things. And like, I, th- I think your podcast captures this perfectly as well is you like sharing the things that you're passionate about with other people and the conversations and the ideas and the processes like that. And it's like I had a lot of fun playing Warzone today. Here's some funny clips. And maybe they, they were probably all terrible. They yeah. were like most of them, were, most of them were not good, but that doesn't matter because I enjoyed them and my friends that I was playing with enjoyed them. So it started off like that. Okay. Fast, fast forward a year or so, and and like streaming, like I have a not, I have a really cool community, a lot of friends. I'm meeting new people. The stream, like I'm happy playing games online. I'm coming home from work at Red Bull. Yeah. Um, streaming, and then it got to the point where I was streaming three times a week, and then on my lunch breaks, I had to laptop and i'm editing clips and doing content <laughs> on my lunch break at work yeah. in the the freaking red bull simulator room so it's oh like oh my god so it's like you know that that was kind of the, the thing and it it wasn't really until um basically this year actually so i, I, I might spoil some of the questions you want to ask but that's all right I, i'd been in formula one for 10 years i'd spent a lot of time at the track as a performance engineer doing some really cool shit and then uh, I went back to the factory for a couple of years, four years. And then, you know, the streaming thing was going fun. I was like, you know what? Why don't I just full send on content creation? And I was wow. like, I, I love Warzone. I'll start playing Warzone. Or I'll keep playing Warzone and making more content. I'll double down on YouTube. And then about that time, I, I went full-time content creation and streaming. I realized how much I hated Warzone. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's not, a, you know, it's like some people, if you're still vibing the game and loving yeah. it, I'm so happy for you. I don't have any access to grind or any gripes about that. And then a, a buddy who you know, uh, Mr. Gibbon. Yeah. Uh, he and I he and I started playing Warzone around December. And then come January, February, he's like, man, you need to play Tarkov. You so hang on, you knew Tarkov. Gibbon before he jumped into Tarkov? No, so Gib, I think Gibbon always had a toe in Tarkov, yeah. right? But but uh, around, you know, a, December a year ago, yeah. Gib was mostly doing Warzone content. Um, and I started, started hanging out with him. I love his content. I love, yeah. you know, he's super, super nice dude. And uh, we, we, we got along like a house on fire and started playing Warzone. And then about that time, we were both like, dude, 
Warzone sucks. And I'm like, I just quit my job with a pretty solid salary doing some <laughs> fun stuff. And I decided like this game, I can't enjoy it anymore. Yeah. And, it, and it was, it was silly, you know, but then I was like, okay. So it, I started focusing. Like I was like, Gib was like, dude, you need to play Tarkov. Yeah. I was like, dude, it, it looks slow. It doesn't look that exciting. I played it for one or two days yeah. and I was so miserably depressed because oh, of how no. brutal the game is. is. And then, and then in that, I was like, wait a minute. I actually enjoyed that because there's something, there's a skill gap. There's a curve. There's mm -hmm. a learning curve. Um, and Warzone has those too, but they're, they're a lot more one dimensional. Whereas yeah. there's so much, the universe was crazy in this game. Uh, the gameplay style, I'd, I'd never played like DayZ or any survival games before. Yeah. So I was like, I think I'm in love with this game. <laughs> nice. And, and, and um, that was, so my first wipe in, war, um, in Tarkov started probably January, February, February, March this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it's such a special game. What you described was me too. Like, I, yeah, you just kept getting beaten down, but I was like, there's something about this game. I got to go back. Mm. I got to, you know, I got to figure it out. The mechanisms. Yeah. They should, they should have an, actually a committee you know, some regulatory commission to look after this game because it's like crack, this oh, thing. It is crack. The pucker factor, I get you. Know, you go in some yeah. maps, it's like, I heard oh, something. You, yeah, you know? Oh, my God. You've nailed it. So after playing Warzone for almost two years, there was, I never got a rush from playing that game anymore. You yeah. know, like there was no consequence. There was nothing. I never, you know, I didn't, I didn't really get that much excitement. I had laughs with my friends, but like, yeah. in, unless it was like a top three in the final circle. Yeah not like i'm emotionally not invested in it i'm you know i'm not you know i'm not getting the rush of any of the adrenaline or anything yeah. and then tarkov you know i'm running a scav and i've got some <laughs> freaking light bulbs and i'm <laughs> shitting myself man so yeah. it's like i was like wait a minute so you know you've you've added stakes to this game and you've added odds and that's something i wasn't familiar with yeah and i loved it yeah. i loved it and um yeah it's the only game i'm playing right now i play a little bit of f1 manager and a little bit of f122 but for the yeah. most part uh, I love Tarkov. The game is so much fun. <laughs> and I, the thing for me also, which keeps it fresh, is I don't have that much time to play it. Yeah. Because I'm spending so much time doing uh, Formula One content. It's yeah. like, it's the, the Tarkov is my reward to myself when I get my work done. And, uh, <laughs> nice. And which sucks when you have a, a you know evening with crap raids and you're like, God, I'm depressed. I'm so down bad. <laughs> my go. video tank today and I got absolutely clapped in Tarkov. Yeah. But you'll be but, back tomorrow. I'm coming back tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I'll get my work done. I'll get up early, knock it out. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, excellent. So that that's that's kind of like my my full circle on, yeah. on gaming. Okay. You know, and, and if you throw if you throw back in there like when I was a teenager, like uh Metal Gear Solid and all yeah. of those, that franchise was fantastic. You know, Final Fantasy VII back in the day. So a any I'm not, I'm any not... any big game that's you know over the years that still just sticks out to you is like, yeah, that was my favorite. <sighs> Honestly. If I could go back to playing Counter Strike 1.6 with the boys, yeah, smashing you know a lot of ca caffeine and hanging out in yeah. the, yeah, in the land center, <laughs> but it, that I mean that wouldn't tick the box now for sure. Like yeah. Counter Strike wouldn't tick the box for me now. I don't have any interest in Valorant, maybe because I haven't given it enough a chance. But you know that's not ticking the box for me. Yeah. I don't think. But uh, other than that, um, Metal Gear Solid uh, Three, yeah probably nice. you know, snake eater was a spectacular game with a great story yeah and, uh, yeah, Hideo, yeah that's, that's definitely one of those yeah, Hideo a, comes up with some crazy shit doesn't he 
Yeah, I, I never played Death Stranding because it looked like a bit too much of a grind, but yeah. like I enjoyed watching content about that game because it was uh, he's he's something else. That guy, yeah. he's he's one of a kind. I think. Oh no doubt. So now, what you know? What was the reason you hit the go live button to to stream to begin with? Just because uh, you loved you know playing Warzone, you wanted to share the clips. Yeah, I think that was it. It was like literally, it was a, it was an exercise in the technology of like. I'm going to go live and I'm going to share this and talk to people. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's like me and my girlfriend are trapped in our flat during COVID and it's yeah. like, might as well. You yeah. know, I see other people having fun doing it. It's like, well, I can make some, make some new friends. And I, I've made a, quite a few friends in the gaming and streaming community that I regularly talk with on a daily or weekly basis and even, you know, meet up with in mm -hmm. real life. So it's, that, that's been super cool. I mean, the internet is a scary place, but if you, if you are careful, you know, there are a, you know, there's a lot of people like you out there, just super genuine people looking to make connections about yeah. a passion. So that was really it. It was just like to see what it was about. Yeah. And now what was that, you know, first experience? You hit go live, you had that first stranger come in. You know, what, you know, how did you like, wow, shit, somebody's actually watching me play this game? It was, yeah, it was like, what did we talk about? It's like, well, well you know, naturally you talk about the game. How's it going? You know, yeah. but it, it was, it, it was super interesting and it was just, I'm, I'm, I process information. I you probably can't tell this, but I process information uh, in an extroverted way. But from a personality point of view, I'm quite introverted. So if we if we ran into each other in a house party or something, yeah. I'd probably be hanging out with the cat until I was comfortable. But like, <laughs> if there's an idea, I'm I'm talking out. So that was cool about the game because you could you could uh, extrovertedly uh, process what's going on and talk about it. And it was. I never thought I was a particularly good streamer. You know, yeah. it's like you look at people like, oh, they've got it. I, I don't ever feel that about myself, but I'm, but it, it, was, it was just cool. And I, I appreciate everybody's got their own strengths and weaknesses. And for the yeah. most part, streaming for me is a way to have a good time and an outlet to, sh like I said, share something I'm passionate about with other people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the nice thing about streaming is like, you can, you can, you, know, you have the head cracker type guy who's just high, you know, intensely is going to you know, kill everybody on a map. You have the yeah. storyteller or the entertainer type, or you have yeah, the people yeah. who are passionate about something in particular, whether it's gaming yeah. or formula one. And that's what drives your community. Yeah. And I, I think that was, you touched on that is like, that was one of the things. Cause when I was at work at Red Bull, I mean, people that are around knew that I worked at Red Bull. Yeah. But it's not something I put in my bio or anything else. Like if you if you're in a stream for a while, you'd know that I worked in Formula. I still work in Formula One, and I do a bunch of stuff, and that's fine. And people are like, oh, that's super cool. But I never really leaned into it, yeah. you know, because I was I was like, I'm this is my day job, and and streaming and gaming is my passion project. Yeah. I don't I don't want to cross those two right now. But eventually, the more and more I started talking about it, I was like. Oh, people are really interested in this, you know, and I was like, yeah. when I was thinking that I was like, right, I, I'm at the point now where I can full send on content and, and survive financially. And yeah. if I have more time, maybe I can thrive. Um, and then as soon as I did that, I was like, wait, I don't work for anyone anymore. My NDA covers what I can and can't talk about. Yeah. I know that. But in terms of like uh, using some of the tools available on the Internet to educate people about motorsport in general, I don't need to tell you trade secrets. I don't need to tell you intellectual property property yeah. I, you know ideas i can literally talk about concepts and philosophies and explain things and I, I found one of the things i think i'm good at is taking technical topics and making them very easy for um casual people to not only understand them but to get excited about them yeah, yeah so and, th and that's and that's kind of where i'm at now and i spend a lot of my time on my stream doing uh 
race watch alongs, uh, live data analysis. So looking yeah. at a lot of the tele telemetry that the the public has access to and then explaining that and what I see and what's going on. Yeah. Doing strategy breakdowns, race breakdowns, and then like, you know, dissecting stuff that you hear stories in the press. And it's like, right, well, let's talk about that story because and most of it from a technical point of view. I, yeah. I'm not too much into gossip and stuff like that. But yeah. I, I do like a good shit post now and then. So, <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't help myself. No. I'm pretty sarcastic. So, uh. but, but yeah, it, it's, it's streaming has then turned into from a gaming exclusively to a, um, you know, streaming in on the Twitch sports category, streaming Formula One watch alongs on yep. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, doing race analysis on Monday or Tuesday, yep. or just, you know, just doing the YouTube videos. But like that's that, my, my, brand has shifted from break to break f1 yeah and I, I think that makes sense for now because this the sports blowing up the gaming community is always going to be there yep and i've got a usp a unique selling point in the space that oh, absolutely there's, there's nobody else that has it and if they do have it they're probably not as passionate about me as talking about and sharing that stuff or they or they're they're busy doing something else so yeah. like the fact that i already have a, a platform i was like why don't I do both things at once? But, you know, obviously like playing Tarkov and making Tarkov content will have to sit on the side. Yeah. And in the meantime, there's so many insanely talented people that I've met in this space. Mm -hmm. I can, I can just kind of live vicariously through them and watch, <laughs> watch their, you know, their, their growth and expansion. Like yeah. for example, Mr. Gibbon blowing up in the, um, in the, you know, the Tarkov content and streaming space, which brings me a lot of joy to see people like him doing a good job. Excellent. Yeah. We talked a little bit earlier, like how, you know, you, you're scientifically breaking down things to, you know, for easier to understand for people who are just general fans or whatnot. We had, uh, you know, in Tarkov, the Tarkov community, we have Veritas. He's that scientific programming mind that, you know, you, you know, same thing. He'll break down something like, you know, Steam audio so that people, you know, the general public can understand it. And that's so cool. Yeah. Like I, nice. one of the things that really, you know, he did uh, one time was just, a, you know, he was in the middle of something and then a community member popped in and said, Hey, I'm, I'm under, I'm taking programming. And basically Veritas stopped what he was doing, broke out like Khan Academy and, you know, whiteboarded, a, you know, programming logic for this kid to help. You know, it was just like, that's, that's so cool. Dude, but like when you see people like that, that have that passion, it's like somebody's hungry for knowledge. Yeah. Or, 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 you know, some, somebody has a passion or something. Let me, let me share my excitement and passion for that thing. Because when you do that, you see people's, you know, lights go off in their eyes and they're like, oh my God, this guy, like, I love this guy's content, but like, oh wait, he's, you know, and that, that is one of the things that I, I love seeing is people using their platform to, to, to help energize other people to yeah. do whatever it is they think they want to do. Yeah. That is, that is so cool. Yeah. But well, yeah, the, the. It's like what you're doing with breaking down the F1 race for people who have no concept of, you know, okay, why are we, why are they changing tires again? And, and you know, yeah. providing that information you don't get from just watching the TV feed. Yeah. I mean, and I, th I feel like even in that space, the, some of the present, some of the presenters are pretty good at some things. Some of the, you know, the pun the drivers who are, you know, commentators are good at other things. And, you know, Formula One's starting to add some good tech stuff, but it's, I don't think they're leaning into it heavily enough yet. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it's or maybe it's still too niche, but mm -hmm. uh, it's it's super cool to see that 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 like you know previously it'd have been like that's nerdy. And right. It's like wait a minute, it's not nerdy. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, like that's that's exciting. And if you can, if I can use my platform to help 
inspire other people. Like that's what's one of the things I like to do with my content is like, how do you get a job in Formula One? I've done yeah. videos on that because there's nobody from Formula One that's telling people where to look for jobs, how to look for jobs, what your CV should look like, what your yeah. resume needs to say, have in it. You know, it's like, it's like, why not? Because all those people are busy doing that. It's like, well, I got out. <laughs> so now it's like, I don't, I don't have any, you know, I, I, I love the sport and I want to see more young people getting excited about that stuff and wanting to pursue careers in engineering, young guys, young girls that yeah. are like, it's like you are, you guys are the next generation of Formula One engineers. Yeah. And uh, if I can combine my passion for gaming in the way that, you know, that Veritas can, exp you know, yeah. combine his passion for programming and gaming, it's like, I'll take a, yeah, I love that. That That's inspiring, man. Well, was... I need to take a leaf out of his book. With what you just said, you know, you exposing it and how to do, you know, how to get a job and things like that. And it's, you know, because immediately when I think of F1, I always think, oh, it's just UK people are going to be working in there because that's where the, you know, UK are the German German people. Yeah. But for Americans, like you said, you how do you get a job in F1? You took the jump and you figured it out. And now you've got this knowledge that you can, you know, share. Yeah, on your and it's, like, it's like it's it's here. It's here. Yeah. And like it, it's it's risky and it's difficult because you do need. You know, you do need to either do a degree so that you can get a post-study work visa or you need to find a company that will sponsor you for a visa. Yeah. And if you don't have experience, that's actually very difficult to do. Yeah. So, you know, there is there is still that barrier to entry for, um, let's say, non-UK yeah. people to do that. But cool. it's 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 coming around. Yep. We'll get there. And at what point did you get from, you know, from when you went live to the point like, you know what? I could do this full full time, or did you just do full send like hell with? It? I'm doing it. It was it was a really calculated thing because, um, you know, I, I spent six years as a trackside performance engineer, and you know, I was a, I I never spent any money when I was away. You know, yeah. my salary was good. I was gone to all the races for six years in a row. I wasn't really spending that much money other than rent. Yeah, so I saved up quite a bit. Um, my girlfriend and I were talking about it. It's like I was like, you know. I've got quite a bit of support from my community right now, and I don't want to be completely reliant on subscriptions to pay my salary because yeah. that's, you know, if something happens, you don't stream, you don't, you, you do not make revenue, and that's that's the that's the that's the thing for a streamer. If if yeah. your revenue stream is is donation based, if you stop providing that thing, or you know the the audience changes what they're into, yeah. or you stop enjoying playing Warzone, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, you you're, you're going to take a hit, and I'm switching. Just back on that switching from Warzone to Tarkov, the Tarkov community was insanely welcoming. And interestingly enough, I converted most of my audience from Warzone to Tarkov. Oh, wow. Which wasn't very, you know, I was averaging, you know, 40, 50, maybe 60 on a good stream yeah. before. And then, you know, a month later, I'm on the same numbers and I've got so many people in the community buying Tarkov. And I was like, they saw how much fun I was having. But, you know, back to your question, like, how do you... I, I figured I can pay my bills now. Yeah. I own my house and I've got a buffer that will last me a reasonable period of time if something bad happens, right? Yeah. Or if something unfortunate happens. So I was like, that's calculated. Yeah. And I've got I've got enough buffer that if it definitely crashes and burns, I have enough time that I can start looking for and probably secure another reasonable uh job in Formula One or engineering, which yeah. there's always gonna be engineering jobs going. I yeah. think so. I was like, I was like, this is this is calculated. This is um, risky. Yeah. But I'm not gonna starve. Right. I'm still gonna have a roof. Uh, I'll be able to pay all of my bills, and I won't have to default on anything. So it's like, it's calculated. And if it doesn't like, 
it's the same thing. It was like leaving the US to move to the UK yes. yep. to, to get a job in Formula One. It's like, that was a huge risk. That was a lot of money to pay for, you know, accommodation and the degree yeah. and everything else, which I, which I borrowed. But it was like, it's a risk. Yeah. I'm willing to take that. And it's, this is the same thing. Okay. So, so it was, it was a super, it was like one of those things that wasn't going to be comfortable. Yeah. But, uh, I get nervous when I'm comfortable. So <laughs> I had, to, I, I basically lit fire under my own ass. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to make a break. Yeah. Oh man. And, uh, You're doing it, well. it was, it, I appreciate that. And it's, it's one of those things. I'll say this. And I said it to a couple of people. I think being a content creator is harder than being a formula one engineer. So the, the, the number of people that are out there, you know, that I look at them and I see their skill and their craft and their, their dedication. And I, you know, I look at the numbers and I'm like, they're probably barely making ends meet blows yeah. my mind because it's like, you are in the top, you know, not point, not 1% of your yeah. thing and you're excellent what you're doing, but this is content creation is hard. It's yeah. so hard. And I, I have a newfound level of respect for, for all those content creators out there that are still on the grind because sometimes it's just a it's a game putting enough sp stuff out there into the universe or finding your brand or what works for you as a creator yeah. that resonates with the audience and finding that audience. So yeah, I, I think I think content creation is super hard. Absolutely. It's super hard. Yeah, I, and you know before I jumped into the space and seeing you know watching Twitch for the first time, it's like oh, they're just people playing video games. And after mm. meeting and and you know interviewing them there is there is so much more to video you know than just gaming and you yeah. know and it's it's just crazy and then you mentioned about being a streamer or content creator so much harder than an f1 engineer i had devil dog gamer on x marine he said content creation is you know there's more stressful times trying to be a content creator than it was when he was in the military it's wild yeah, dude it's it it's it's like that like I, I don't like, for example, like when I was a trackside engineer, I would do, you know, I, you know, I was working with the race engineer and driver on the car during sessions. I was looking after, I was managing the race fuel for the cars at the races, yeah. you know, and that's a, that's a super stressful job doing oh, qualifying yeah. fuels, a huge rush doing race fuels, a huge rush in qualifying the drivers coming in, you're going through the overlay in comparison to his teammate, picking out all the interesting points, like, all right, Max, you need to do this because here's this and this and this, I think you can improve here. Here's this and like wrapping all that up, compartmentalizing that. And then passing it to the driver and discussing it with him in like 15, 20 seconds and building up that relationship wow. to make sure that he understands that. And and then you guys have a, you know, you're not overloading him and all that stuff. It's like, that's a rush. Oh, and, uh, yeah. I, I don't really get that. I just get like, like the, the sheer volume of like, here's the list of stuff that I'm not going to get done today that I want to do to make content, work on collaborations, yeah. um, you know, all the other business parts of it. It's not just going live and playing video games, man. Like yep. I stream right now. I'm full time and I'm streaming two or three times a week. <laughs> I, I, like two times a week is my max right now. Right, On race yeah. weekends, I stream three times a week. But I haven't streamed this week because I've been busy making Formula One content for YouTube. So it's oh like, oh my god, <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. And I now, miss it. I, I miss it. What is you know since you went live for the first time and and making the jump full you know as a full time content creator, what has been the hardest thing about you know? this field switching off yeah switching off is so hard my girlfriend's not she she understands and she's fully invested in in this behind me with this but it's like switching off and like not thinking about it like enjoying forcing yourself to take time off yeah you know because like right now i think i'm six seven days a week 12 hours a day yeah and it's 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 switching off is the hardest thing and like understanding 
when you're not getting any return on something and mm-hmm. you you know you're sitting there at the computer's like wait i feel like i'm doing something but i'm not actually achieving anything go outside yeah go for a walk go hang out with the cats for a bit or something you know? and, and now do you think you're all that time is going into it because you have a passion for it you just love it and every day your mind is thinking about how i can grow this bigger and better yeah it, how yeah exactly and it's it's i think the thing is I'm, I'm probably trying to do way too much stuff yeah at once and but that's I, I thrive when i'm under pressure so it's like i just continually put myself under pressure yeah and i'm i'm, I'm having so much fun man oh, that's good yeah and now, it's what, fun. what's been the highlight since you hit that first go live button and, and jumped into this space? Any Anything in particular sticks out? It was, I want to say, yeah, it was, um, it was probably getting partnered on Twitch and then yeah. getting partnered on YouTube for my, for my Formula One content. But it's like, it was one of those things. It was like, I was in such a, a grind you know like as in like i was busy and not in a bad way it wasn't like that grind the unhealthy toxic grind it was like i was so fired up yeah it was like when i finally got partnered on twitch i was like what's next yeah yeah i didn't i didn't stop to you know be like <laughs> yeah you know we had a little i had a little you know partner celebration stream yeah. where i had a beer on stream but i was like i gotta get back to work <laughs> you know so Honestly, the high has probably been leaving Red Bull Racing to do this full time. Yeah, that was one of the biggest rushes, and I was like, "This is the next, the next yeah. chapter in the arc and whatever I'm doing." And if it crashes and burns, I don't really mind. Yeah, like I, I actually have no, I don't have any fear of failing at all, which is good. It is good because, and also just knowing you have that safety net, you have your engineering mm. background, and and in today's workspace right now, there is it's such a shortage of good, talented people. So that's, yeah. you know, it's just you know, it's nice to have that safety yeah. net. And now, what was your partner story? How did you find out? How many times did you apply? Um, so I I actually got it on my first time. Wow. Which which is really weird, and I and I feel like that probably had something to do with the fact that, um. Uh, this basically the twitch sports space that i'm in like there's uh, you know people knew my background knew my story and they're like okay this guy's probably going to be doing this in a while and it's probably not a risk and i waited a while yeah once i hit once i hit the 75 concurrent i waited over a month to apply i was like i'm gonna wait to apply because i'm gonna hold above these numbers yeah you know for the next month and um that is that is basically it so i you know it it was one of those things and i got the email i was like it caught me off guard because I was preparing for some other stuff for stream. And yeah. I was like, I got an email in my inbox after I applied. And I was like, well, I guess that's done. And I was so beside, like, I was like, <laughs> I just, I just kind of ignored it for a minute. I was like, yeah. wait, holy crap. This is it. My, yeah. I was so excited. My girlfriend was, was really, really happy too. So. Oh, good. Yeah. And it's like you, like you said, you know, you got it, you kept going, but that's, that's really what it is. Once you get that check mark, it's, it's not like game over and it's like, you know, you can sit mm. back and coast. It's, you know, put the pedal down and keep going. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of conflicted about it because I've seen a lot of people saying that the perception I, and I don't know the right answer or not. And so I'm, you know, this is not judgmental of anybody. This is not a side of the fence. But I see a lot of people saying, you know, once I got partnered, everybody stopped supporting me. And I was like, I haven't seen that. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, you know, what are you what are you doing? Are you just streaming? Yeah. Because because like, I'm I'm posting content to you know, two different YouTubes, two different TikToks of different, you know, I've got two different types of content that I do yeah. on my channel. And I'm one of the things I want to do is find the people that like both gaming and Formula One mm-hmm. and, you know, find them and be like, we all love the same stuff. This is, you know, this is 
let's find other people. Let's let's find them and bring them in. Let's find yeah. other creators that love the same stuff. But um, yeah, that was one of those things. It's like people like when I got partnered, you know, people stopped supporting me. I'm like, when you got partnered, did you stop trying? Yeah. Because like partner partner doesn't like for me. It, it's it's a um, it's a great milestone and an achievement which demonstrates that you've achieved a certain level of consistency that you know rewarded you with i mean you earned a, a concurrent viewership and twitch were like yeah you're not a liability yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna disappear tomorrow but that's it like partner doesn't increase your revenue partner right. doesn't you yep. know partner doesn't put a roof over your head partner is just twitch saying you've hit a milestone well done yeah uh here's here's a check keep working <laughs> yep keep working and make Daddy Bezos some more money. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and now, you know, what advice would you give to somebody who is, you know, making their first YouTube video or going live for the first time? Just do it. It's going to be shit. <laughs> That's honestly, yeah. honestly, like, but like, don't, but don't let that discourage you yeah. at the same time. Right. The first time you do something, if you're good at it, that thing that you're doing is not worth doing. You know, if, if that's something that you want to pursue, because yeah. like if, if there's no like, let's let's go back and take that to the Tarkov example. What's the investment? You know, yeah. uh, you know, those those that those four light bulbs that you've got for your hideout <laughs> and you're yeah. you're scabbing and uh, it's your first wipe. Oh, yeah, you're you're holding on to those. You're getting out with those <laughs> light bulbs, aren't you? Or one of those, you know, shit quests like that. But yeah. like if, if you if you try it for the first time and it's easy and you do a great job you're either a natural and you might get bored quickly or you're one in a one in a billion yeah but like don't don't worry about that all you do is just keep doing it look back on what a month two months three months and say am I doing better today than I was then mm -hmm. yes and if that's and that's the case and you're having fun and you're happy and you're learning and you're growing great and if you're not growing look around you there are great examples it's like you don't need to copy people yeah but you know you know people say you know um you know um impersonate before you can create or whatever yeah. whatever that saying is been like that that makes sense and like i'm sure i'm sure a lot of people first starting doing that if you're established and you're just copy pasting people that's right that's kind of crap but like yeah. look around you there's so many you know if, if you if you try to break down what other people are doing and what works for them and try to understand and you understand what the audience and the people are consuming. Like if you have something that people will inform or entertain people or, you know, you can make content. Yeah, definitely. But, so, so that's it. Start. If you want to start making content, start making it yesterday. It's going to be bad in one month. It should be better in six months. It should be much better. And then you repeat, 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 repeat. Yeah. And then also it's, it's about establishing what your goals are. Is it for fun? Mm -hmm. Cause most people start for fun. You're not going to, you're not going to get your first, you know, webcam and say, <laughs> right, I'm going live on YouTube and I'm quitting my job tomorrow. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot to learn. Don't, but just be patient with yourself because it takes a lot of time. Don't compare yourself to other people. That's Use good. other people as sources of inspiration, but do not compare yourself to other people because everybody's path from start to there is never a finish Try. Yeah, is, is different. True. Yep. Very Absolutely. different. That's great advice. All I right. hope so. Yeah, absolutely. I should probably listen to it because I keep preparing <laughs> myself, and I'm like, man, they're doing really good. But but now personally, I get more excited when I see my one of my like, especially in the gaming space and the yeah. Formula One space, and I see people that are absolutely smashing it. I'm like, they're doing a really good job, and there's something I can learn from them. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's it. Well, something nice about what I've seen from the Tarkov community is 
there's not it's not competitive like you know like you know everybody seems to be helping each other out and yeah. which is really cool to see yeah i love that that's one of the things it's like every i've not had a single bad experience with any single member of the tarkov community like i'm sure every every communities have drama which yes. i avoid like the plague if anybody yeah. in my community starts like any weird vibes but right you're out or i'm yeah. out or whatever but like that's one of the been one of the best things about the tarkov community it's like there's not this weird clout chasing and I, yeah. I think another another benefit of the tarkov community is it is a relatively mature yes audience you know yep. it's 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 a lot of adults and there's there's young people in it as well but you know the the people the the people setting examples for other people are setting very mature um thoughtful examples yeah. for the most part yeah and well, i think that that sets the tone also i think probably the fact that you have to buy the game to play it versus the free-to-play games that you know it just it's you you have to have skin in the game if you're going to play the game and then you're going to yeah. invest it into it yeah I, I agree completely and i think that that helps but i understand like there's without warzone being free to play i probably wouldn't have met a lot of the friends that i have met yeah. so but yeah i agree yeah it's forking out some cash for a game Imagine if it was just a bunch of jerks that paid 35, 40 bucks for this game. I was like, man, worst investment ever. But it's not been. Tarkov is, yeah, Tarkov has been one of the best investments I've made in my uh, gaming career. Cool. And now what's, uh, from a you know YouTube standpoint, you know, when did you start creating, you created Warzone content originally. When, yeah. you know, so when did you start putting a lot of focus in, you know, creating more content for YouTube? I YouTube was always a side thought like streaming was the main thing and for gaming YouTube yeah. has always been like a a side thing yeah you know I like I it never really focused on it I never had much conviction to mm -hmm. it but about March April this year I full sent on Formula One content yeah so educational analytical um and it was just streams cut down where i was analyzing data and talking through with the community about what i'm seeing and in information and having conversations it was just those corrupt down and then i was like right um i want to get serious about making formula one youtube yeah and, and now, that's when, that's been I've, I've been having so much fun with that oh excellent and now what you know what point did you get to the point where it was like okay you're play, making gaming content and then you know what, let me when did you start seeing a a increase or an interest in your formula one content it was it was kind of like after I'd left Red Bull and yeah. I I was like I was always like I'll do Formula One content eventually like I could do that I really want to focus on gaming and then I realized it's like I wasn't really ready to invest the time and effort to be a good gaming creator because I wasn't sure if I was cut out for it yeah I'm completely honest like this self reflective thing and I was a little bit bummed out at first. Um, and then I started spending a lot more time, like I started doing Formula One centric streams, talking about data, doing watch along streams around yeah. the races. And the reception to that was like, that was like, dude, why aren't you doing this? Come on. Like, you need to be doing that. And it wasn't like a like chasing numbers thing. It was like, yeah. I was having so much fun doing it. And I was like, oh, I can do this and I can game a bit. So I was doing mostly, you know, gaming and half and half gaming in Formula One. Yeah. And now it's, and now it's like 80% Formula One, 20% gaming because there's a lot more scope for me to grow right, right now in this space and then along with that i i can bring more people into the gaming space when i do go play tarkov or yeah. you know f1 manager on stream like i can still share that with the people but it's like now it's it's kind of a business decision to focus on uh formula one content yeah. i would love i would love to you know in a, a wipe or two 
you know when when arenas and everything comes out yeah. really really have a, a go at focusing on gaming content creation from a different angle completely yeah you know try to put my version of gaming content out but i don't know what that looks like and i don't know what the future holds okay. so i'm just taking it day by day and uh I'm having a blast right now, but content content's hard. <laughs> content is super hard. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, from when you're streaming your Tarkov versus streaming your F1 content, is there like, do you have two different communities that show up? No. Or is it the same? No, it's, it's insane because like most of the people that love Tarkov also love Formula One. Yeah. Which is like, and I feel like that's one of the things I've, I've formed a, a pretty close community around that. And it's mm -hmm. a, it's, a, it's great because it's a, a mature audience. They yeah. get my sense of humor. We have spectacular time just hanging out. But um, then I go play Formula One manager, Formula One. And it's the same people in there. There just happens to be more other people from outside of those spaces who haven't really, that don't, don't have an interest in Tarkov. Yeah. That's okay. It's uh, like, absolutely. so it's like, it's like, it's like Tarkov plus F1 or just Tarkov. And yeah. it's like, I, I love the Tarkov crew that I have. Excellent. One of the things I do miss the most is um, collaborating and hanging out with my my Tarkov friends. Yeah. I haven't played games with very many of them at all in months now. Yeah. And it it kind of makes me pretty sad because I, I, I miss them. But <laughs> it is nice when I get, like, I get my work done and I have time to go hang out in their stream and just see them. Like watching people play Tarkov gets me so excited to play Tarkov. I was like, all right, I've got, all right, Thursday. Thursday night I can play Tarkov. <laughs> I'm so excited. So, uh, yeah. Now, how how would you describe the break community? Um, it's very surprisingly, and I, and I love this. It's a, I it's, I think it's probably like sixty percent men, forty percent women. Yeah, which is super cool for like a gaming space in Formula One space. It's like it's usually like, you know, very white dude dominated, right. but it's like it's it's inclusive. It's fun. Uh, it's sarcastic. It's often kind of raunchy. But we we keep it, we keep it under wraps. But uh, it, it's fun. It's yeah. a whole vibe. I I get abused verbally in the game quite a bit. <laughs> I get made fun of because I'm kind of a droid half the time. But I, I think that's the best way to describe them. They're um they're also very thoughtful as well. Yeah. And mature, which you know, but like also mature in some senses, but also in, insanely immature in other senses, which. Yeah. I love it, man. That's, that's I love what matters. it. Cool. Uh, and I, I think I think that is a a pretty good description of the the Tarkov community as well. And I'm yeah. glad that I found you know that subset of people in uh in the gaming space because it's been it's been very it, playing Tarkov and the people I've met through Tarkov has been one of the most rewarding parts of my gaming content creation journey by by a mile. Oh, awesome! That's so cool. So let's let's talk Tarkov a little bit. So Yo. what has, so, you know, what is the hook it has into you? I think it's the consequence, you know, yeah. it's the, it's the, it's the, the consequence is huge. It's like, if then, you know, it's like I've, you know, raids uh, approaching 40 minutes long and you're trying to do a task. It could mm -hmm. be the, it could be, it could be dropping off some rations for lazy bastard yeah. Jaeger or something. <laughs> and I'm like invested in it, man. But, um, it's, it's the, it's the odds that make the, the fights, um, very tense. It's like you know, I, I lose something that I've yeah. worked hard to get. I don't spend much time grinding money. I'm like I'm losing kits all the time, and I'm broke all the time. <laughs> and I love it. I, I I don't like. Yeah, that's that's how I like to play it. But it's like um, that's one of the hooks, and the yeah. other one is the interactions with players and stuff. is is fun. It's so funny and it's hilarious. And 
it it just blows my mind some of the crazy crap that happens during this game. And the other one is uh I like the gunplay. Yeah. I like I like that map knowledge mm-hmm. and movement is so important and positioning is 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 crucial. Yeah. And the fact that, that how how risky everything is and it's like you know, you, you can't just push this and die because you will lose that stuff. And I don't like losing stuff. I don't mind losing stuff, but yeah. I don't like losing stuff. Uh, it's just it's just really that. It's, it's the consequence the game has, the uh, the tactical nature of the gameplay. Mm-hmm. There's so many, you know, context clues that you have in the game to understand what's going on in a yeah. raid. Uh, and it's cool. And I'm, I'm not very experienced. I've been playing for you know less than a year now. But it's one of those things Like every time I'm turning the game on, I'm, I feel like I'm learning something. Yeah, and, that's and that 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 learning curve for me is uh, the learning curve is an important hook for me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a yeah. I, you can have raids or an engagement with a, another player that could last for twenty five minutes. A cat and mouse just, and then yeah. if you get that kill, you're like high. You're if you just, lose, and it's just ah, like oh, it's so yeah, defeating. You, yeah, but and I but actually, those those engagements that last a long time when I come out losing, I don't mind those at all. Yeah. You know, the, the frustrating thing is being head eyes by some yes. slug at 50 meters or some, mm-hmm. some buckshot at 50 meters. I'm like, sniper God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or yeah. yeah, when you're in D2 and there's an exfil oh. camper and he's he's just corner peeking and he yeah. hits you with buckshot across the tunnel. I'm like, I hate this game right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. I happened the other night. But it's like, but like long engagements are good gunfights that last a long time with lots of healing and repositioning. Yeah. Like the repositioning is so fun and like, thinking about it the thinking game is so good yeah absolutely. i, I love it and now, i love it man what you know do you do a lot of the questing or do you really just go for the pvp engagement when when i don't have any quests that look very exciting i'll just go for pvp engagement yeah. or go around and uh, one of the things i'm trying to do lately is when i'm going into my raids trying to find uh, other players and ask them what they know about formula one <laughs> it's <laughs> nice. just like it's like the goofiest combination of my brand you know it's like <laughs> The other day, I found a guy, and I was like, hey, I, I'm struggling. I'm playing on East Coast American servers. I'm like, hey, you guys like Formula One? They're like, nah, bruh. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> I found a guy the other day, and he loved Lando Norris. And I was like, great. I was like, how do you feel about Abu Dhabi 2021? And he's like, doesn't really bother me. Like, I, I don't really have an opinion about it. Like, I'm not too bothered. I was like, that's very impressive because anybody else on the internet is very polarized one way or another. So... <laughs> That was interesting. Oh. And then I asked like who their favorite driver is. And I've had some pretty funny engagements yeah. like that. But it's oh. just it's just a, it's a fun mini game for me. But yeah, mostly just mostly just PvP and Yeah. And now but, do you roll mainly by yourself or do you, you know Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've I've had like when I've had more time to play, I would, you know, I'd schedule to play with a couple of the homies and yeah. like people from my community. Very rarely do I play with um no, actually that's not true. Like but you know, mostly it's people that I know closely. I don't branch yeah. out too often which is which is you know it's an investment getting to know new people and learning how to play with them mm-hmm. um i mostly play solo but that lets me focus on interacting with the people yeah. in my community yeah uh, which is which is why i go live if i i'll, I'll play off stream a, you know once a week maybe yeah. for an hour or two but my sessions are when i'm on and hanging out with everybody in, in the stream yeah. that's I, I love it man i love it Oh, excellent. And there's that's you know, there's two points there. One, you know, playing solo, like you said, it lets you interact with your your chat, your community. Because if you're playing with somebody else, your focus is now this is not a game where you can just sort of kick back and just you no. shoot the shit while you're playing with somebody. No. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's super hard to just chill out. Like you can't there's definitely like 
you know, drop in for a scav and you have a joke because who gives a crap? Right. You're going to lose a crappy toss or something. But when, you, when you're in a raid and you're like, let's say you're in an engagement and interchange or something, comms are super important. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't care about what's for dinner. Like right. I might tell you that my double dry hop IPA tastes really nice. And that's about <laughs> all you're getting out of me from a social point of view. Right. Um, but like, yeah, it's an investment. But like, whereas, whereas like if I'm playing solo... I don't need to worry about communicating because anything else around me dies and I can have a laugh. Yep, exactly. And if I and if I get donked, it's fine. I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's I, I really wish I had more time to collaborate and hang out with my friends and play. Yeah. But it's just one of those things like for the little time that I do have to stream Tarkov, yeah. I want to make sure that I'm enjoying it personally because if I'm not enjoying it, there's no point in streaming it because if you're not enjoying streaming, then just turn off the stream. Exactly. Just don't. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think that's a good summary of where I'm at. So kind of tasking sometimes, yeah. mostly running solo, and uh, not really too fussed yeah. about what's going on. Just just trying to have some funny interactions or good moments and share that with the people that yeah. are choosing to spend their free time hanging out. Well, I had somebody describe to me, I think it was Pestley, described Tarkov is like the perfect game to stream because you can you have the in-your-inventory building up while you're going into the raid. You can interact with your chat. Some moments while you're in the game, you can interact, but now it's focused on you. Then when you come out, repeat. And there's so many times yeah. where it's it's not just like... Natural breaks. It's not like you're right. just requeuing into lobbies and something like in a yeah. multiplayer game or in Warzone where you just like requeue, requeue, requeue. It's like you can... Yeah, and there's also lots of interesting things to have conversations. And you, you, no matter what, when you're in the game, you can make any narrative you want. You can yeah. role play in the game, you know, yeah. whatever else. So <laughs> uh, it's it's a it's a beautiful canvas for making content. Yeah, absolutely. And now, you know, what are, are you looking forward to when Arena comes out? Kind of. But like, honestly, I I'm not sure. Like, I, I think of right now, I think of Arena as a way to uh improve gun skill because yeah. you know without enough hours in the game i'm i'm not particularly excellent at that yeah you know i'm not good at it but uh, i i am looking forward to that a little bit i'm curious to see what it'll do to the to the game and the community as well yeah i have i have no strong feeling what it will do but it will be interesting to see what happens because it will change quite Definitely. a bit and if it and if it i mean i think there's arguments for and against that it will or will not harm the main you know right uh, raid style yeah i'm not sure i hope it doesn't because you know it, it does suck you know when you're late wipe and interchange is dead yes interchange is such like i like interchange so much because it's such a creepy weird moody map with angles corners yeah. i don't like sitting in them but i like i like the rush of running through there because killer could reach out and clap my cheeks at any second <laughs> you know well, also who doesn't want to do some role play gunfight in a mall you know yeah dude come on like yeah it's it's some seriously cool stuff yeah. so like you got multi-levels you can like you know down in a basement there's yes, just so many things around yes, this map. man yeah the the, the, uh, the layers that the game has you know not yeah. only you know physically in the map construction but also in terms of the the gameplay how, the play styles how yeah. you approach it are you ratting are you running and gunning and ratting like who gives a shit yeah. like you know like but what's your play like how are you approaching this game are you questing are you mm -hmm. So many ways I, to play I, it. That's that's why yeah. it's so great. I, I love it. And I understand people that play a lot of it get burned on yep. any game, but it's like I don't play it enough. So every time I don't play it for a couple of days, I'm itching, man. I'm yeah. like, let's go play some Tarkov. <laughs> I'm just going to run around and uh, lose a bunch of crap gear yeah. right now. But uh, Arena's fun. Uh, 
have you how do how, what's the general consensus in the community about Warzone 2's uh, DMZ mode? It's interesting to see, you know, the logo looks like a Tarkov type logo they have for it. Um, it's not a lot of people know much about it. So it's like people are excited because, you know, anytime, you know, EFT can get some note of, you know, it's it's on the radar. It's a good thing when you have a triple A game or triple A uh, gaming company creating something that's Tarkovish. It could be cool. I, I honestly, I'm looking forward to playing that and Warzone 2 is I haven't touched Warzone in over nearly a year now yeah i just can't stand it i have no interest in it i love all my warzone friends that are still playing the game and i wish them all the best but it's not for me it's not my thing what burnt but you out on it do you think the, the the there was i don't know it's just there was like i didn't have any interest in making content for it yeah um it just had nothing that got me excited to play it yeah. and i that was it the new map, the the new Caldera map was terrible. Yeah. Like, and then it's just like, I, if I wanted to play Rebirth, I might as well be playing Team Deathmatch. Right. And I'm not, like, I can't play Team Deathmatch. <laughs> I just don't. I'm, it's like, it's good for like 20 minutes of having, oh, that was cool. But yeah. I don't have any interest in grinding guns in that manner, you know? Yep. Get so, it out of your system I mean, and move on. I, yeah, exactly. I really, I really hope that the DMZ mode is good because I think all that will do will probably strengthen the, the, the both of the communities, hopefully, yes. you know, Tarkov yeah. and the Warzone and the DMZ players, but hopefully it, it will also uh, get up, bring a bit of awareness to the game style as well. Yeah. And, and does, does that help BSG? Does that give them more ammunition for investment improvements or whatever else? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't play the game enough to complain about it. Like, yeah. I, I, every game has its issues and I don't, oh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with that topic, but like, it, when yeah. a game starts getting more love, I'm happy. It's all good. Yep. Especially like Tarkov, you know, it's, it's, yeah, definitely. And now how would you compare the Warzone community and the Tarkov community? Cause you, you know, you spent a fair time over there. I think the Warzone community in general, like we've discussed is a older, more mature audience. And there's yeah. a lot of very young people in the uh, Warzone community and Warzone's an everybody game. It's a super casual game. It's yeah. your, my neighbor. I, will, I, look at my, I can look out the window right now. And my neighbor or his son are probably playing Rebirth Island right now. So yeah. that shows you what Warzone is like, is everybody's yeah. game. But with that just comes, there's the content in the space isn't particularly exciting. I know of a couple people who are doing a great job and I yeah. love their stuff. But for the most part, it's a lot of the same stuff. And it's not that exciting to me. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of super talented people in it as well. Mm -hmm. So that's not a takeaway. Um, it's just probably in a generally younger audience. And there's so much... There's a lot of noise and drama and, yeah. and shit fighting that I don't see in the Tarkov. Because I'm, I'm, I'm also not too close to either of the communities, right. realistically. But at the same time, it's like, yeah. Cool. But I've got I've got a lot of friends that are still in the Warzone grind. And I still you know try to meet up with them a couple times a year yeah. because I just miss them. Nice. And now you also stream F1 Manager as well. A bit, yeah. So what is, you know... Your background playing a game is that like going to work almost? And no, oh, okay. well, yeah, kind of because like well, the, the problem I have being spending a lot of time at you know in a trackside race engineering environment is yeah. I'm like looking at this stuff and I'm critiquing it. And actually, they've done a pretty good job. They've just released a new patch for tire pace and degradation and uh fuel management, which, which I was like my hugest gripes with it, considering, considering the game, uh. 
is new. Yeah. Frontier have done an awesome job with that game. They're not paying me anything to say <laughs> it. Like, like they've done an awesome job with that game. It's super fun. Yeah. Uh, you can you can role play in it. You can do whatever you want. It's a great interactive stream. Um, and it's a it's a lot of fun to me. Um, but it, it's been really cool. Like people, because people want to know what I think about it, which right. is like weird. I'm like. Okay, okay, I guess it makes sense, but it's like, okay, we can talk about it because, <laughs> because I can talk about something that I know quite a bit about mm-hmm. and something that I'm passionate about in context of a video game, which is like all of a sudden this thing comes full circle. I'm like gaming, motorsport, gaming, motorsport. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh. So I, I I love it. And what team did you, what team are you managing inside? Right. Of so I have chosen uh Alpha Tauri. Yeah. Because I, I didn't want to run Red Bull. Like, mm-hmm. that made sense. I didn't want to run Red Bull because I just didn't want to be winning races. So I've got Gasly and Sunoda as yeah. my drivers. Sunoda's been on a tough one. Um, I fired Matthias Spinney, who was Sunoda's race engineer, because Sunoda was doing terrible. And I then hired my IRL good buddy, Joao Jeanette, who's a Formula <laughs> 2 engineer. So we had a really hilarious interaction where I'm calling Joao on the phone. I'm like, hey, I don't want to scout you. Like, how much money do I need to offer you to get you to come race engineer Sunoda? It was oh, hilarious. That's awesome. And I, I had a funny interaction where I called um, Jean-Pierre Lambiazzi, Max's race engineer, who I, who I worked with my entire time at Force India and Red Bull. So he was yeah. a race engineer. I was a performance engineer for six years in a row. We moved teams at the same time. I called him. I was like, dude, what is this mugshot? What have they done to your face? And how the hell are you making three million a year? I need to get my salary adjusted for how long I've been there because I was on nowhere near that. And he's like, I'm gonna go have a talk with Christian tomorrow. That's that's chaos. They're not paying me that much. Oh my god, that's too. So funny. there's like there's lots of funny stuff and yeah. anecdote that I can that I can. It, it makes it feel like a really unique game that was like almost made for me in a way, but it's not. It's it's made for everybody, and I love that. Oh, it's man. super cool. That is so it's, cool. it's fun. It's so fun. Have you messed with it? I have not. Not yet. I just watched Deadly I, Slob play a little bit. And it looks it looks great. Honestly, it's a great game. There's a couple of layers. There's some mini games built into it. But like it's it's honestly, I when I stream it, I just hang out and chill out and play it and have a laugh about yeah. stuff. Oh man. But uh oh. I, I, I would highly recommend it. I know you love Formula One. Yep. I, I highly recommend that you try that game because it's very good. Oh, cool. All right. So now you also do a podcast. So you're not only streaming on Twitch, making YouTube content, you also create a podcast. You have run a podcast called the Engine Breaking Podcast, right? That is correct. All right. And the, and the podcast is myself and Engine Mode 11, who is a former Red Bull employee as well. Oh, no uh, way. He's an IT systems engineer. So it's a, it's a very interesting podcast as oh, well. It? And it's, it's basically, uh, we call it the most fraudulent Formula One podcast on the internet, <laughs> which, which is interesting because it's probably one of the most credible Formula One podcasts on the oh, internet. Oh, excellent. But um, it, for us, it's an outlet for having a laugh, um, shit posting a little bit, joke. Dan, Dan is a, a joker. Dan's a super, Engine Mode 11 is a super joker. But uh, it was one of those things I was like, my my brand of content is actually pretty serious and quite you know informative and educational. It's a lot of work. Yeah. But I'm I miss talking about Formula One with the homies. So it's like Dan. I was I talked to Dan. I was like, dude, I want to do a pod. And he's like, let's start it tomorrow. I was like, okay, cool. We'll go live. Oh shit. Yeah, it was it was great. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, hey. <laughs> is this Barry he, the cat? This is Barry the cat. What's up, buddy? <laughs> What's up, buddy? How old is How he? How you doing? Uh, he's about a year old, oh, okay. or two, a year and a half. Aww. Barry, say hi to Noof. <laughs> he's a, he's uh, a sweetie. 
awesome. Mm. All right, get off and don't play with the electrical spaghetti, homie, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, dude, the, the podcast has been super fun. And it's like like we talked about before. It's like it's this thing where you get to have an exchange of, of ideas and topics and have a discussion. Um, you know, you don't need to prepare a lot for them. And yeah. it's, you know, you just find people that are really excited about those same things. And all of a sudden you find a community around that. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a, gr- a great thing. And like a, a, it's gone really well. People really, really receptive to it. Like I'm getting messages from people that still work in the paddock in the industry. <laughs> like, hey, I listen to your podcast. I love it. I'm like, you guys aren't supposed to listen to this. Like this is us <laughs> taking the piss most of the time. Come yeah. on. And like, no, it's great. I'm like, okay. So if our if our podcast has made it into the Formula One paddock already, I'm, I'm having fun with it. Excellent. I'm having fun. Well, and, uh, and I, I I like this kind of exchange like we're having now. It's like we have yeah. to talk about something that we're both passionate about, like sharing about games, motorsport, Formula One, and that's that's what it should be. Yeah, it's great. Well, I, I love the kind of the behind the scenes. I, I listened to one segment where you guys were talking about, you know, how do you dress for the interview? And then, you know, the suit or the jacket or, you know, suit and jeans. And, and yeah, it was just great. It's like that shit you don't hear about from any other yeah. other forum. Yeah. And like, I, I feel like our, our podcast is probably a little bit for the connoisseur. Like if you're a, a super casual, don't know anything about the sport, it might be super foreign. And I'd like to add some of those you know, some of those little hooks for the new people that aren't too into it. But for the most part, the people that are like understand stuff and they just want to hear about stuff that happened in the paddock, in the factory, in the teams. And then, yeah. you know, when we have discussions about is this driver good or bad, what do we think about this person, that person, like there's a little bit of credibility to it, but most of the time we're just, we're just messing around. Oh man. So it's fraudulent. Uh, it's, it's great. I, you know, it's, yeah, it's such a cool concept. And, and, you know, the, the behind the scenes stuff is always the stuff that I enjoy. It's really Same. great. Yeah, with anything. So if I can get like under the hood or behind the scenes on something, yeah. I'm in. Uh-huh. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Because it doesn't need to be like super secret stuff. It just has to be stuff that I can't find anywhere else, you know? Right, exactly. Yep. So now let's talk a little F1, you know, since you're like an expert guy. So, you know, that first day you got hired, now you're working for an F1 team. You walk in and, you know, you, what is that like? My first week at Force India, I spent at the seven post rig just watching what was going on. That was yeah. not exciting, by the way. The seven post rig, it, for anybody that's not familiar with it, it's basically a test rig which you strap the entire car to. Wheels, entire car, gearbox, everything, a dummy engine, obviously. And then you put load on the car. So there's three posts which apply load to the chassis, and there's four posts which apply loads to the wheels. And you're basically to simulate a, sus- a suspension simulation machine is what it is. And uh, that's not particularly exciting. You know, I helped the other guy, you know, when we changed tests, we'd change springs and yeah. bars and I'd help him do stuff. That was a really boring first week in Formula One. Oh, but then yeah. but then I got into doing some uh, analysis, writing scripts to analyze. Um, I worked in vehicle dynamics for my first eight months. Yeah. And then... Uh, yeah, I did a lot, quite a bit of aero mapping. I helped prepare models for the simulators. So we would uh, force India. They hired McLaren's uh, simulator out to use as yeah. part of their technical agreement at the time. I got to do that, and that was going. That was kind of like that kind of set me up for the next part of my career, which yeah. was trackside performance engineering. So after Bahrain 2012, well, before that, I'd asked the chief race engineer. You know, I. I didn't talk to my boss or anything. I just, I had the chief race engineer was super nice. I was like, Hey yeah. man, uh, I want to be a race engineer one day. What do I need to do? And he's like, well, you need to first probably get in line because there's a lot of people that want to do that. And it's, you know, you've only been here for a little bit. So, and then, um, 
probably two or three months after that conversation, like, hey, um, yeah, the other performance engineer quit and he's not coming back. Uh, Magello test is next week. Are you interested? I'm like, stupid question. Of course I'm interested. <laughs> so that was that was my, that was my f- second sink or swim moment. Really, yeah. was being thrust into uh, trackside performance engineering. Having you know, I, I'd done a lot of data analysis and yeah. watched telemetry and you know, gave feedback live in the simulator, but never at a racing event, never around a real car. Yeah. So that Magello test one week, the next week was Barcelona 2012, the most cursed Grand Prix. Pastor Maldonado wins the race and then their garage burns down. (laughs) So what is that like? You get that call. Now you're at trackside for the first time. What's like, are you like, you know, just, oh my God. Um, um, Yeah, it it was an overload, like getting to know the mechanics. The mechanics are all a bunch of super crass, really sarcastic, snarky dudes. And I'm like, do they hate me? It's like, no, they like you. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, and like just learning the people. There's so many new people that you never see these people at the factory because they're always traveling or yeah. prepping cars. And I, I didn't know a lot of these. So, was, you know, being being dropped in as a person of one into an engineering team of about 10 uh, into yeah. a trackside team, including mechanics and technicians of, you know, 60 to 80 people. Yeah. There's a lot of new people. So that was, that was super cool. Um, and I really was treading water for my first year yeah. in that job. And then my second year, I was not treading water so much. And then I was like, all right, I, I can improve what I'm doing at this. Uh, my first year, I was on Paul Deresta's car. And then after that, Sergio Perez joined the team. Um, yeah. I guess in 13 or 14. Did a, a year with Perez. Um, and, I, and I was like, right, I'm happy. I, I know what I'm doing. I'm confident. Yeah. And I was like, I want to I want to work for a team that could win a championship. You know, that was kind of the goal was to progress, yeah. you know, to move up the grid. Or I'm waiting for GP to retire so I can be race engineer, which I wasn't sure I wanted to be a race engineer. Yeah. And, and then the, uh, the job offer, go on. I was, I was just going to say, what made you, how did the whole transition from, you know, to Red Bull happen? The job advertisement, they're looking for performance engineers. Like, well, I'm a performance engineer. I've got three years of experience, um, which is not a lot, but it's not, not a lot. Yeah. So... I was like, I, I have just as good a shot as anybody to apply for this job. So I'll p- apply. I got the interview. Um, in, I, I've told the story several times. I've even done a video on it. But like my second interview, I rock up and Sebastian Vettel's there interviewing me. <laughs> oh, no. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. So the, the job was to be the performance engineer on his car. Yeah. So he's like, he's like, if I'm hiring a new performance engineer, I, I want to talk to this guy because I have to talk with him at the track all the time. Right, and I need yeah. to be able to work with this guy. So I want to be, he was invested in it. So he was there. Um. Another round of interviews with a couple of other people. I got the job. And then in, so I, I, I handed in my notice. I got the offer and it was, yeah. you know, it was a, a better salary, a bigger team. And I was like, you know, it was 2014. They won the championship the year before. The new V6 engines were, the Renaults were terrible to start. They were yeah. a nightmare. Uh, I handed my notice and um, I only tell GP where I'm going. And then a couple months later, he hands in his notice. Oh shoot! I was like, "I was like, where are you going?" He's like, "I can't talk about it." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and then, uh, in Belgium, 2014, it's on Twitter that GP's going to Red Bull to be Vettel's race engineer. I was like, "Do you want to talk to me?" Or he asked me, "He's like, hey, have you checked Twitter today?" I was like, "Dude, I don't use Twitter." He's like, "Okay, cool." Then after the race, he's like, "So I'll see you next year." Oh <laughs> my god! Because like, I thought I was getting to work with Rocky and and Sebastian. Yeah. Right. So. Rocky was going to be chief engineer, which is cool. I get to work with GP. I've got a great relationship with him. We work together really well. Great. 
And then uh, in Japan, it's announced that Sebastian's going to Ferrari. And then Red, Red Bull immediately announced uh, Daniel Kvyat, who is actually an absolute legend. I love that dude. I have so much. I have so much time for Danny. Yeah. Um. So I worked with GP on uh, Kvyat's car, and Rocky was then chief race engineer, and that was that was Red Bull. Oh my! Now, what was the transition like going from you know that team to Red Bull and like learning new software? Was it software similar across the board? A lot of a lot of the software was similar. A lot of the tools that the teams use yeah. are like the setup databases and simulation tools are bespoke. Yeah. So it was good. It was good learning those. Some of the stuff was better. Some of the stuff was actually not better than we had at Force India, which was okay. really surprising. So bigger team, not always better everywhere. Yeah. And the small team has to do certain things super well, and they can't afford to do a lot of crazy stuff. But it was definitely, you could tell there was a lot more money. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot more resource. They're bringing developments and upgrades to the car. They had a really good simulator. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, they had all their tools and housewares forced into, you know, had to outsource most of their stuff and yeah. then use someone else's simulator and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So it was, it was, a, it was, it was a little bit different setup, but yeah. And now, so, you know, the, so simulators, they're just not one simulator. You have different levels of simulators. They're, they're, different... they're most of the Formula One platforms. Uh, McLaren sell a platform to yeah. a, a, a few teams use those. Then a lot of teams have bespoke designed from the ground up sim motion simulator platforms. And yeah. so it's graphics, motion, um, everything. And I actually can't talk about it. That's so. all right. All right. <laughs> but yeah, but that's like, that's one of those things like other than that, like those, those are like super clamp down pieces of ip yeah. that the teams oh, okay. but there are teams do a lot of bespoke stuff in the simulator space so it's not like you go and buy something that you see at the uh, amusement park yeah <laughs> those those are nowhere close to what the actual f1 I simulators are like yeah it's probably more like the, you know flight simulators that the military use yeah it, it, it's it's kind of it's in that vein it's yeah. like super specific bespoke uh high performance stuff with yeah. a lot of money behind wow. it wow and now, you know, that first time you're meeting, you're being that, you know, having that relaying data to the driver. What was that experience like? Because now all of a sudden. Hard. Yeah. Because at first you don't really know, you know, like when I was at Force India, like GP was basically doing two people's jobs at first. Yeah. You know, but then like, but then you get to the point where it's like in between runs. I don't talk to the driver when they're on track. I would talk to the driver when they come back into the garage. Yeah. Because the race engineer is the single point of contact when they're on the circuit. And then when they come back in, we'd go through. You know, I'd print an overlay or put it on their monitor, yeah. talk to them about, you know, interesting your team, your teammates lines are like this. Um, you've got more grip in this region of the corner. You can use it if you if you think or is there something with the balance uh, setting up the differential and the brake balance management and stuff yeah. um, and talking to the driver about that and the engine braking configuration and the, you know, fine tuning the differential during the session and between sessions. Um, it's just a continuous feedback loop of go faster as soon as possible. Yeah. And then you've got to rely on the driver. I, I assume the driver at that level, he's full of, he has, he's figured out how to convey what he likes in a car and, or is it really just trial and error? Or not. Oh, okay. It's not, you, you, every driver has their own language and stuff that you have yeah. to learn over a period of time. So it's like you have to uh, build up a relationship, the driver and race engineer, a race engineering team, like building up that relationship and that dialogue and that terminology. Yeah. Okay. You have to work on that. It's not, it's not granted. It's not that. You know, there's some things which are common language, but yeah. everybody has their own way that they talk about stuff. So yeah. that takes a bit of time, but that's also super fun oh, to, to get to know a new driver. And now what was the highlight, you know, for over your F1 career? Looking back, like what was the, you know, I was like, that uh, was really cool. It's super easy for me. The first one is Barcelona 2016. Yeah. What happened there? So the week before, um, 
it's announced that Daniel Kvyat's going back to Toro Rosso. Uh, or not actually it was the Sunday it was the Sunday or Monday after the race or the, it was the Monday after the race in, in Russia um, Danny had a terrible weekend and something had been in the works for a while and I hadn't heard anything about it but you know those things don't just happen overnight yeah. so uh, we show up to work on Monday or Tuesday and uh, the boss says can you and GP come into a meeting I'm like yeah sure it's like right you've got a new driver uh, Danny and and Max are swapping wow we're like oh it was mid-season. You're getting a new driver out of the, you know, the junior team. This kid called Max Verstappen is, <laughs> is showing up. And um, Barcelona 2016, on the first lap, Lewis, uh, I think Nico takes Lewis out into turn four. Yeah. And we weren't going to win the race unless the Mercedes were out. The Mercedes were insane. You know, they were so fast. Yeah. But these guys are going at it toe-in-toe, and they crossed the line and took each other out. Uh, and Max goes on. He gets he's he gets lucky with the strategy a little bit. Daniel gets a little bit unlucky. Yeah, that's racing. Racing happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Max holds off Raikkonen for the rest of the race. Uh, and Max wins his first race. Wow! In Formula One, and that was my first race win in Formula One. Holy cow! That is so amazing. So it's it's like this super chaotic, you know, this perfect storm of yeah, you know, young driver gets. You know, chaos and drama gets yeah. team swap mid season, and then he rocks up, gets out qualified by Daniel, but then goes away to win the first race or to win his first Formula One race. That's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Oh man. And it was it's like so special. It's like super cool. But instead of going out and partying that night, we had to move hotels because there was a test next week, and we ended up in Granolas or something, <laughs> and it was like a pain in the ass to get back to Barcelona. We just had a couple, me and a couple of the engineers running the test, had a couple beers and a pizza, and that yeah. was our celebration. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. Like, you know, you every week you were, tr- you know, picking up. It's a new location for the whole course of the season for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. Like, how often do you get to go back? You know, when you were a trackside engineer, did you get back to go to go home to do any testing or is it really from week to week you're just on the move? Um, the calendar at that time was about 20 something races, like low 20, like 21, 22 races. Yeah. Um, and then I had to run the card a couple, I race engineered the card, some tests, um, and performance engineers did other tests. So, you know, we're looking at something like 26 weeks a year for work away. Yeah. And I can't like, when we get back from race on Sunday, we fly home Sunday, I'm back in the office Monday morning, Yeah. you know, maybe, maybe if it's a super late flight, I'll go in for like nine or 10 o'clock instead yeah. of eight 30, but, um, it's nuts. And then, you know. We get two weeks off in summer for the summer break. Formula One shuts down for two weeks. I'd yeah. go home and see my family. And then I'd go home for two weeks in Christmas. And that was my whole holiday for the entire year was to go back to Texas. So, yeah, wow, it was nuts, man. It was nuts. And that's why that's ultimately why I moved away from race engineering trackside to be a simulator performance engineer at the factory for the last four years. Yeah, just the travel. Yeah, it got to get old. Yeah, but in the new calendar this year that you saw in the 24 race calendar announced for 2023. Yeah. That's nuts, man. That that's is a insanity. Lot. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you think you'd ever go back or you're in a happy space now? I'm in a happy space right now and um I'm enjoying the freedom and pressure. Yeah. You can sit you know, back I'm, I'm and ju- just comment and then you know enjoy what, you know, and Yeah, but I but it, rather than just uh, like commenting and discussing, I like I like I, I need to dig into the data. So yeah. I have access to an API. Everybody has access to. It's called Fast F one. Mm-hmm. It's a, Pyth- a Python API. So I I'm looking at the data like I use. It's a it's a small subset of the data, but I'm looking at a lot of the data where I can infer a lot of the performance characteristics of the cars and then help 
explain that to people and get people excited about engineering in yeah, Formula One. Excellent. And now what's your what's your current take on the season? Like, you know, Verstappen could end up winning this shortly and then is it just going to be a dull rest of the season or? Yeah, I feel like a lot of the, a lot of people have checked out because Max is dominating it like last year. Oh my God, I mean, the, year. A lot of the a lot of the fan base has turned the entire thing insanely toxic, but it's not like that. It's yeah. literally two of the best drivers in the world very closely matched cars going head to head and both of them are making mistakes and they're cracking yeah. and people are like, they're evil though. The team, this, that's like, you know what? Enjoy this because you're not going to get this every year. This is, this is as good as it gets. Yeah. And yes. And yes, there was a whole amount of controversy around the, the um, Abu Dhabi, which, which was, yeah, that was a disaster for mm -hmm. the sport, but it's like, like that was one of the most exciting seasons. We're not going to top that in a while. Yeah. Red Bull Ferrari have the fastest car. Uh, Red Bull, since the break, have had the faster race car, and Red Bull are not making any... Uh, I did a video on this on why the Red RB18 is dominating, and the Red Bull are surgical right now. Max is nearly flawless um, in the race. Yeah, He's not perfect in qualifying. Um, he's nearly flawless in the race. The team have not messed up once this year, for the most part. They haven't given away more than a handful of points, whereas Ferrari are absolutely imploding. The fact that Mercedes missed the mark on several key aspects of a new regulation blows my mind but they they you can only be at the top for so long right and it's not it's not going to be too long before they're back at the top oh, i know they're they're a very mechanical methodical the machine. mercedes it's yeah they can't have exactly. a tarnish for too long no no exactly or if, or if they can't sort it out mercedes are like right we're cutting ties with this because you're damaging our brand right who's buying a ferrari right now by the way <laughs> freaking nobody <laughs> Things gonna catch on fire. Oh my god! What a disaster! Or, oh yeah. So, I, I, what do you, what do you think? Because I think it's like, it's been an entertaining season. Yeah. It's not been a great season, but for me personally, it's good. I, I, I like to see what's going on now because I know the people, mm -hmm. and and selfishly, there's still some of my fingerprints on some of that stuff, like the tools that the team's using, yeah. some of the stuff the way the simulator program is working, some of the tools the performance engineers are still using at the track. I still think they're probably still using some of my sheets and some of my tools. <laughs> so it's like, it's, but the, never mind that, like as a, as a spectator, because now I get to step away from the sport and I yeah. get to look at everything and I get to enjoy it. Well, I think it's, I'm having, uh, it's, I'm it's, having fun. It is fun. It's a good season. Like you've got close races, you know, five or six years ago, it was like, you know, you have like the 40 seconds between first and second. It was like, that's, that's not entertaining. But, you know, you talk no. about a disaster for F1. I, you know, cause I've been watching this forever. The biggest disaster I've seen was the, uh, the year, um, there was a tire incident in Indy. I think it was either Indy's first or second race where you only had yeah. the two Jordans and the two Ferraris race because Yo, I can't remember exactly what it was. It, it was, was it, it, it was or? it was Bridgestone and Michelin, and one of them exploded, and only four to six cars took the the race start because one of the tire manufacturers pulled out. Yeah, I was like, can you imagine dropping uh, all that money to go see an Indi an F one race in uh, Indy? I would have been I would have been distraught. I think it might have been 08. Yeah, bro six. Yeah, that that didn't help F one back then. Like, no, you know, for for an American but, but standpoint. But at the at the end of the day, Bernie wasn't helping F one. Mm -hmm. yep. Bernie was trying to sell Rolexes to rich old white dudes, you know. <laughs> and now the sports like getting involved. There's so many young young, um, especially young female content creators that are out there. Like if I open up TikTok and look for Formula One content, yep. it, there's a there's a lot more, you know, females. There's yep. a lot more women doing Formula One content, which I'm like, okay. 
Formula One has matured now. There's like it's it's not just old white dudes that love yeah. this stuff. It's it's young people. It's guys. It's girls that are loving Formula One, and for a whole vast variety of different yeah. reasons: technical, social, uh, you know, pop culture, whatever. I'm like, this is something I can get involved in now. Now the question I you know I'm glad we're having this conversation because I know in in NASCAR you've got f you know even lower levels like in the the starting up you know I go to my local NASCAR track out where I live, and you've got girls racing with guys. What about F1? I don't, I don't know if any if any you know females have popped up on the radar. Not not in a while in Formula One. There's a couple like there's there's now W Series, which is good, but I I feel like there's going to need to be a lot more investment in these people's careers from a very young age to get them uh, competitive. And it's not just a couple of them. It's getting a lot more. Cause you imagine all the young guys mm -hmm. that have people funding their karting careers right. and backing them and getting them, you know, involved in good programs. There's just like, there's this huge pool of dudes doing it. And there's this really small pool of, of, of women doing yeah. it. And at, at some point people are going to have to like, stop. Yeah. You know, the people are going to have to say like, here's this, you know, W series for girls to race. And it's like, no, you're going to have to start investing money in these people's careers from a very young age yeah. to give them the experience and the tools that they need mm -hmm. to develop those skills. Yeah. Definitely. And I, I, th I think, I think we're still a bit further away, but I think, I think it's getting closer. Good. So now I've, I've so remember I told you my, you know, I got hooked into the NASCAR and whatnot. So my buddies from yeah, Mississippi, yeah. you know, every time there's a race on, we'll chat. Well, I have to tell you, they knew I lo I liked Montoya because he came from F1. Yeah. He went to NASCAR. I never heard the end of it. That night he ran. He was I can't remember which track it was in NASCAR. He ran into the jet dryer. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. I remember that. Juan Pablo smashed up the uh, jet dryer. Oh, my God. I never was like, oh, that was. But that's, like, yeah. yeah. Hey, how's that NASCAR? How's <laughs> yeah. that Formula One guy doing that yeah. European weirdo? Oh, man. I was just, yeah. It was just funny things over here thinking about racing. Uh, I but, love that, man. Or I remember also when they, I think it was F1 came to Indy for the first or second year. They had Jeff Gordon drive an F1 car. And he was blown away, like almost blacking out because how quickly the turning was yeah. and everything like that. It was just like, it was so cool yeah, to, to see. I, I wish you would see more stuff like that, but I think F1 is still a little bit too insulated in its own yeah. juices, let's say. But, I mean, Kvyat's racing NASCAR right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I, 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 need to, I need to watch some NASCAR. <laughs> I just don't have any time. I'm just so consumed every weekend with Formula One content. Uh -huh. When I've got a weekend off, I'm like, oh, play I want to go away. Yeah, I want to play Tarkov <laughs> or like, go on a short weekend trip with my girlfriend somewhere. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, so now, you know, when you do... Like, I know we talked about this. You never really disconnect. But when you do disconnect, what do you do? What do you like to do? I like, I haven't done it much lately, but I really enjoy uh, hiking. Yeah. Walking. I, I like doing a bit of rock climbing. So sport and trad, which I haven't really done since COVID, but that's something I miss. Um, since COVID, I haven't brewed beer. I love craft beer and I oh. love brewing. So that's one of my, my passion projects. I think maybe in the future, we're going to have a... Once I get the brewery set up in the garage, we're yeah. going to do one of the, the engine braking podcast episodes from the brewery oh, in nice. the garage. That'd be so awesome. we'll see how that goes. But yeah, that's those are kind of my things. I like I like photography, I like technology, equipment. Yeah. I like I like cameras, thus, you know, setting up streaming and all this yeah. junk. So um, that's, that's kind of me, man. Like uh, cycling, rock climbing, hiking, being outdoors, camping. Yeah. I've, oh. I've got a Ford Transit Custom, which is my daily driver, which is also my camper van. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, but now brewing beer is that a big thing over there? Not really. Okay. I've got a couple of I got a couple of friends who are into it as well, but 
nobody consistently. And it's like one of those things like you could turn that into a passion project into a career and a, but it's another thing. It's just a lot of work. Yeah. And if you don't love it, you know, like if you you want to, if you want to make a new brand of brewing craft beer, what are you going to do? You're going to spend all your weekends at festivals trying to get people right. interested in your brand. And it requires a lot of space and licensing and safety certificates and everything oh, okay. else. And it's like, there's a lot of hoops to jump through where streaming, like I can do it for my bathroom if I want. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, cause over here, you've got all these little microbrews have started up and popped up. Same over there. Uh, not so much to a lesser degree, Yeah, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good craft around. I, whenever I go back home, I love going to the local tap rooms. Like, yeah. even if it's not like my favorite one, it's just like, you know, the, you know, you, the idea that you go outside, there's a patio, there's a couple food trucks, you can get some good tacos or some barbecue, Yeah, have a, you know, a beer that was brewed in the doors just behind you and chat with the, 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 the barman serving the ale or beer, or whatever else, or the other people that I love that. <laughs> I love it. I'm excited. Oh, excellent. Now, what do you miss most about home? Or stateside? Um, my parents and my yeah. brother. Um, other than that, I've kind of gotten really, I've been here for 12 years now, so I'm just kind of used to it. Yeah. Like I've got an, a nice house with my girlfriend. I've got two awesome cats here. Yeah. Uh, I miss my family a lot. I miss my family a lot. I miss, uh, I don't know, like the, the, the local beer stuff as well. Yeah. Like I, I order, I order beers in from breweries that are, you know, too far away to, to go to. Yeah. But, um, that's probably it. I miss right. the food. I miss, I miss Tex-Mex like really yeah. bad being in being in Texas. I miss Tex-Mex hard style. <laughs> um, and I guess just like I miss the amount of space that you have, like how how much the dollar, how much you get for a dollar here. Yeah. Like housing in the UK, especially in the South, is very expensive. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, I have a very simple lifestyle. Good. I like I like games. I like a couple of other things. Yeah, I've got a couple nice bicycles that I enjoy riding. Nice. And um, that's it. I'm not, I'm not hard to please. <laughs> any big plans or any other goals you want to, you got on the radar for this year? Not really. I, I, I'm, I'm literally at that point where it's like, I just want to keep improving my content and making yeah. better content. Uh, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to do some work with a formula one team to help make them make some interesting technical analytical content. Yeah. Um, maybe get involved with sky or f1 somehow yeah because i feel like i have a lot to offer so those are the kind of things i'd like to do but mm -hmm. if they don't happen they don't bother me because i feel like i i, I think i've got something with you know the, the podcast you um, do absolutely uh, with the, with the formula one content so like I, if, if nothing else happens i'm, I'm happy being that because i'm making so many like like you know this conversation with you the conversation with other creators yeah. in the formula one space are just so enjoyable excellent and um I'm just super excited to be where I'm at right now and to be fortunate enough to be doing this um, and keeping a roof over my head yeah. and feeding the cats. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, hey, That's... thank you so much for doing this, dude. It was awesome. No, thank you so much, man. It's been it's been a genuine pleasure chatting oh. with you, man. I, I love the conversation, man. Now, before you go, though, you got to call out somebody, someone in your circle. Who should come on to podcast that has a good, uh, a good story to tell? Ooh, that's a really good one. I've got a couple names and I'm trying to. There's a guy I, I really like and yeah. his name is his name is Alexander Average. OK, I I think you'll like him. All right. Well, he's been called out now. Now we'll have to get him on the pod. Good. You should you should reach <laughs> out to him. He's a super lovely, dude. I, he's been one of the people that I've had the pleasure of meeting uh, in real life and yeah. sharing a couple beers with. And uh, excellent. Couldn't find a nicer dude. Cool. 
All right, now I got to play fanboy for a second because you know Verstappen oh. and 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 Horner are they good people? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Max, Max is one of those people like people don't really appreciate um, the way Dutch people are, but yeah. they're, they're direct to the point. If you think it's rude, it's probably because you didn't like what they had to say and they were just being honest with you. Max is a nice dude. I, uh, Max is a gamer as well. Max plays oh, no quite way. a bit of Warzone. Um, Cool. He, he dabbles. So whenever I run into him, or when I did run into him at work in the sim and stuff, we tap, we chat Warzone. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> he's he, those guys are awesome. Yeah, I, re I really have a lot of time for them. Yeah, yeah, you, you know it's funny because like I think about you know the just some people don't pick up on the humor and they just like think they're dull or whatnot. I think of like um, Mika way back yeah, in the yeah. years when he used to be on the press. You know when he'd finish, he'd be top three. He'd come to the to the conference after and he'd make a joke. He would laugh, but nobody else would laugh at his jokes. Yeah, it was just... but that was that he, the Finnish people are. Yeah, it's it's an acquired taste, isn't yeah. it? Because Bottas is the same way. Like Bottas is like a very dry person, but he's actually super funny. And yeah. I, the, the more and more interviews that I see with Valtteri, the more and more I like him. Yeah, ah. you know, it's just like that. And Raikkonen, Raikkonen's the other <laughs> another vein. It's just like. I don't give a shit. It's like, <laughs> I love it. Excellent. Well, hey, again, thank you so much for doing this. It was awesome meeting it's, you. It's been a pleasure, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully talking to you again in the future and maybe playing some Tarkov at some point, Absolutely. brother. Absolutely. Definitely.